Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Today on CityCast Las Vegas, I'm joined by our newsletter editor, Scott Dickensheets. Hey, Scott. Hey, ha- happy to be here. And a special repeat guest, Joey Lovato. Hey, Joey. Hello, hello. How's it going? He's the multimedia editor at the Nevada Independent. And we're getting into all kinds of drama in the news today, from football to Judge Fiore and flights and more. So... It's Friday, January 13th, 2023. I'm Sonia Cho Swanson, and this is CityCast Las Vegas. Okay, Scott, I got to be honest. I think out of our entire team, you probably know the most about football. (laughs) So I'm going to need your help understanding what's going on with Derek Carr. Why is his name in the news right now? Oh, well, his name is in the news because he's been, you know, the sort of longtime quarterback of the Raiders. And it's pretty clear that the team is about to part ways with him. More than likely, I, th- I think there are probably a few dark horse scenarios in which he stay might stay. But more than likely, he's out of here. And so that's caused angst inside and outside the uh, organization. Yeah, I saw that he uh, released a farewell note to the team yesterday. It sounded pretty solemn. So it seems like he at least believes that he's on his way out. Yeah. And that seemed pretty clear when a couple games ago, like with, I think with two games left in the season, the new coach, Josh McDaniels, benched him in favor of a young quarterback, Jason Stidham. And so that was a pretty clear sign that his days as a Raider were numbered. From what I understand, the Raiders have not had a great season, but here's what I don't understand. Why does the quarterback bear the brunt of the responsibilities for this tough season. I mean, I thought that he was a pretty good quarterback from what I understood. Well, first things first, he was a good quarterback in some ways. He had some really gaudy numbers. I think he is the Raiders all-time passing leader. But has he led them to the postseason? I think last year was the first, maybe the first time they've been to the postseason in recent memory. And that's really the more, in the NFL, the more decisive marker of success, whether or not you have playoff success. You can rack up all kinds of great numbers in the in the regular season. But if you don't drag your team towards the Super Bowl, then those numbers are of limited value. But there's so many like players in a team, so many managers, so many factors. Like why pinpoint the quarterback? For a number of reasons. A, quarterbacks in most cases are the highest or one of the highest paid players on the team. Therefore, they're paid to be scapegoats, <laughs> if you want to look at it that way. Hmm. But also the offense runs through the quarterback. And so if the quarterback's not you know, executing optimally and making everyone around him better, then that's usually considered a pretty easy fix. I mean, a pretty obvious fix, not easy. It's far from easy, but it's fairly obvious place to start making changes. That's a lot of what happened here. And a lot of people are like, well, didn't he just sign a big contract in the off season? And that's true. He signed a contract extension. But crucially, it doesn't take effect until 2023, which kind of means that this past season was cars like one season audition 
to impress the new coach and general manager before this big fat contract kicks in. Hmm. And so apparently, I mean, and so the benching shows that they had decided, I think fairly early on, that he was not going to be the future the franchise needed. Gotcha. Joey, do you uh, do you follow football or are you a Raiders fan? <laughs> uh, I, I don't follow football too closely, but my family is from the Bay Area and they are split Raiders and 49ers. Um, and oh. so, yes, but I, I am both a 49ers fan and a Raiders fan, I would say. Well, and I have to declare my allegiance because I am <laughs> a, long, a long-suffering Broncos fan, which means the Raiders <laughs> are my natural enemies in the world, so... Uh, you know, so I, you're cheering for this news. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, it, it means a lot to Las Vegas. So I, I'm of split mind. I'm obviously I want it, I want the team to do well for the city. But personally, I mean, this is all just like a lot of fun to watch. <laughs> yeah, it is so much, so much drama. So what's next for the Raiders? Who do you think a good replacement for Derek Carr would be on the team? <laughs> well, you know, the, a, a lot of the betting odds, not official betting odds, but a lot of the you know, intelligent observers are saying that Tom Brady, if he doesn't retire at the end of this season, he might be a lead horse in this race. Other names that have surfaced include Jimmy Garoppolo, who's currently the, with the 49ers, or Aaron Rodgers, who's with the Green Bay Packers. Garoppolo and Brady both have history with the Raiders coach Josh McDaniels from their time in uh, New England. And one reason that makes sense, that they would go for one of these sort of older established quarterbacks, is that there's probably, according to the observers, there's probably a two-year t- window here where the nucleus of good talent that the Raiders do have, Devontae Adams, uh, Josh Jacobs, Max Crosby, they can probably keep that nucleus together for maybe two years. So you bring in somebody like Brady or, or Rodgers or Garoppolo who are experienced. They don't have to learn the ropes. There's no development time. They can max out that potential of that group before you know, all the usual contracts negotiations and stuff start breaking them up. And the Raiders have done a terrible job in the last few years in terms of draft picks and and free agency. I think it makes more sense to them to grab this an established quarterback off the market and try and make something happen now rather than start a, a long rebuilding period. Hmm. So it's about not just about the talent you get, but the timing of the talent you get. That's so interesting. And And money. I mean, a lot of what's going on with Derek Carr involves money. And how much you know his contract will pay out, and to whom, and so on. All the players have these various deals and contingencies and clauses that complicate any kind of attempt to keep a team together. Mm-hmm. Joey, what are your thoughts? Well, uh, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo got injured this year for the 49ers, but I mean, Brock Purdy, who was the last draft pick, it's such a fun story. It's such like a classic sports story in my mind um, for the 49ers. This this young kid came in and kind of took over for the seasoned quarterback. Um, so to see Garoppolo, you know, go to go to the Raiders, I'm sure I, for me it's fine because again I'm a fan of both teams and I, I like Garoppolo, so uh, I think he would be he would be great down there as well. Um, I don't know how 49ers fans feel about me saying that, <laughs> um, but Brock Purdy has been a, has been a really cool, fun sports story to watch this year. So it sounds like you have a house divided. <laughs> yes, yes. Thanksgiving is always a little uh, interesting. Okay, well, I hope that you get a 49ers versus Raiders Super Bowl someday. I think that'd be really fun. Fun <laughs> yes. for your family.
Hey, it's David Figler, and one of my favorite food festivals is coming back to town. It's Vegas Unstripped over at the Palms Hotel on Saturday, May 18th. Over two dozen chefs from some of Las Vegas's most talked-about restaurants creating original, unique menu items they've never made before. Chef creativity at its best. We're talking chefs from Partage, Esther's Kitchen, Milpa, EDO, and more, including this year's James Beard Award finalist Steve Kessler from Aroma. Tickets are $150 and are all-inclusive of food and drink, so you don't have to pay for anything once you're inside. No hidden up charges. I went last year, and it was so crowded in the best possible way. We got one remarkable dish after another, and while it was a little indulgent, here's the best part. The net proceeds go to local charities. So head on over to VegasUnstripped.com to get your tickets now. We'll see you there. Let's get into the second piece of drama for the week. Michelle Fiore is also in the news. Joey, what's been going on with her? Why are Las Vegas residents of Ward 6 upset with her? Well, so Michelle Fiore, uh, you know, former state assemblywoman from 2012 to 2016. Now she's a Las Vegas city councilwoman since 2017. She's now being appointed as a Nye County Justice of the Peace. After losing her bid for state treasurer. Yeah, yeah. She originally ran for state governor and then changed to state treasurer, I think, because she probably realized she wasn't going to win the governor's race. But, you know, she's a Republican firebrand. She's backed by Trump um, and his base. She loves guns. She's garnered a lot of attention uh, for being pretty outspoken about that kind of stuff. Um, And she's also has a lot of controversies in her past, you know, uh, with racist comments, potentially assaulting uh, another colleague or an altercation with another colleague. Oh, and also standing up for the uh, the Bundys. Yeah, standing up for the Bundys. She was investigated or is being investigated by the FBI for campaign finance issues. So what specifically was the issue in Ward 6? If I recall correctly, the residents there were upset about the construction of a convenience store. I know it was a pretty tight vote, but the convenience store ended up getting approved four to three. And Michelle Fury was the deciding vote. So why is this issue back in the news? Well, the issue's back in the news because... She told the Nye County officials that she she had established residency in Pahrump in mid-November, right about the same time that she cast that swing vote. And so mm-hmm. if she was not a resident of Ward 6 and was, in fact, at that point, a resident of Nye County, then her vote sh- should not count under the city's rules. The minute you are not a resident, you're no longer a city council person. So. Gotcha. And But Fiore's spokesperson is is saying that she bought her house in Pahrump or, or secured her, her living space in Pahrump, but didn't move there officially until after the vote. So, gotcha. and that is, I think that's the basis for why the uh, uh, Las Vegas city officials have decided not to reconsider her vote in that, mm-hmm. in that convenience store issue. And this gets much more interesting when you look at it from the Pahrump angle, right? Pahrump's a Nye County. And the county has mm-hmm. a 30-day residency requirement to get elected to something like the Justice of the Peace. And that's a very important word that we'll come back to in a second, elected. Okay. But Fiore said to the Nye County Commission that she had become a resident of the county on the 14th or 15th. That was on the record. She said 14th or 15th. She didn't specify. And then later, her attorney, who has actually failed attorney general candidate Siegel Chada, said huh. that Fiore became a resident on the 17th. She then applied to the position of the Justice of the Peace on December 7th, which means that she would have been a resident of Nye County for either 20, 22, or 23 days, depending on which date is to be believed. But she's not being elected. 
she's being appointed. Okay. Um, and the only requirement to be appointed, according to the Nye County District Attorney, is that the appointee must be eligible to vote when they're appointed to something like a township office. And so Fiore is eligible to vote. So it's a little bit of smart maneuvering on her part, really, so that she can be appointed to this position. But probably, you know, if she didn't move there, but secured residency, she could probably still vote in the city council. So it's, it's all kind of very confusing. But yeah, that's that's kind of the, the gist of it, if that makes sense. Wow. Talk about like skirting in under some deadlines here. Like this is a, <laughs> a question of days. Yeah. Um, are there other instances of residency kind of battles in, in Nevada? Yeah, Nevada's historically kind of litigious with residency controversies like this. Two that came to mind, former Democratic Assemblyman Alexander Acefa, who was indicted last year for lying about his residency uh, and also for stolen uh, campaign funds. And then also former Clark County Commissioner Lynette Boggs uh, was charged with several felonies for lying about where she lived. Um, in the early 2000s, the charges said that she actually lived outside of the district that she was representing. Uh, and I believe she entered a plea deal in like 2009 or something like that. Hmm. Scott, I saw you smiling. Well, I just remember the Lynette Boggs case from the old days. And it's, if I recall correctly, there were like photos of her standing in a certain doorway that was where she presumably lived and was not within the district she represented and so on. It, it had a certain gumshoe quality to trying to figure <laughs> out where she was living and vis-a-vis where she represented. Huh. There have been other cases too, but those are kind of the two like most recent and notable ones that I could I could find. Gotcha. Interesting. So here's what I'm curious about, because I don't want to like mischaracterize Pahrump, but it does seem kind of like a perfect fit for Fiore and sort of her kind of firebrand and political checkered past, if you will. Is Justice Fiore's new life in Pahrump kind of like a political semi-retirement or do you guys predict that she's going to still be in the news? Well, I'm I'm no John Ralston. I'm no uh, political pundit. But uh-huh. Fiore, like I said, is kind of a political firebrand. She's uh, she's pretty outspoken. So I, I expect that we'll probably be seeing you know more of her in the future. I think the the Republican Party here in Nevada is big fans of Fiore. So at least the established like leadership of the GOP party in Nevada is you know I don't know how every uh, you know Republican politician feels about her, but yeah, in retrospect. It seems it seems kind of faded that she would that Fiore would end up in Pahrump, where guns are people too, my friend. Yes. <laughs> but such is the nature of Michelle Fiore, I think that that's a little out of the media spotlight for her, <laughs> the Pahrump Justice of the Peace. And while it's mm-hmm. you know I presume she can get reelected any number of times, I suspect that the profile of that job isn't sort of high enough for her over time. And we we will probably be seeing her again in some sort of statewide race, I would guess. It is a, it is a really good job. It pays eighty thousand dollars a year plus government benefits. So I mean that's a pretty cushy job to be to be in in Pahrump. Um, it's a, it's a, oh, a yeah. well paying job. Absolutely, yeah, definitely. And let's not forget that Pahrump actually has some interesting issues coming up. Some of that solar mm-hmm. development project, some of the debates around that public lands. I mean, it's not a place without issues that are going to make some of the more high profile news headlines. So interesting to follow. Let's go on to our third topic. So I wanted to tell you guys about yet another curfluffle at Harry Reid International Airport. It actually affected airports across the country. A computing program called, I'm going to hopefully pronounce this correctly, NOTAM, N-O-T-A-M, failed on Tuesday morning preventing flight notices from being distributed to pilots. 
So the FAA ordered all departing flights grounded on Wednesday morning, which of course caused cascading delays across airports around the country. The Review Journal reported that about 25% of flights were delayed as of that morning on, on in Las Vegas. But this comes on the heels of that entire flight debacle that we had over the holidays, too. So my question for you is, if you had six hours to kill at Harry Reid International Airport, what would you do? In my case, I would probably just go to the bookstore and drop a bunch of money and find something to, you know, a couple of books to flip through aimlessly while I get more and more agitated and snap and snarl at whoever's with me. Hmm. Sounds like a plan. <laughs> it's not a plan. It's just a, a way of being until I can get out of the airport. <laughs> yeah. What about you, Joey? I think I'm a very zen traveler. So, I, you know, I've dealt with flight cancellations and flight delays and it's annoying, but you kind of just deal with it. So, I, I mean, there's more restaurants in the Harry Reid Airport than I think there are in like all of Carson City or, you know, the uh. area that I live in, Reno here. <laughs> so uh-huh. there's a lot of food options. And so I think whenever I look at those restaurants in the airport, I'm like, oh, I've never even heard of this chain. So maybe I'll try this out. So I could probably do that. And I'm a big reader, too. So I could also probably find a book like Scott. And I will I will say that Harry Reid does offer like some really quality people watching. And so if you're into that, there's an endless variety of people because it's such a Las Vegas is such a global destination that you can observe just like the entire parade of human pageantry going through that might occupy a few of my a few of my hours. Yeah. For me, I think it would depend on if you were in Terminal 1 or Terminal 3, right? Because to me, the shiny, new, gleaming Terminal 3 is kind of like the strip of the airport, right? And then like kind of like the older, darker, funky carpet Terminal 1 is like the Fremont Street experience of the airport. <laughs> you know what I mean? There's like a faint smell of old popcorn in Terminal 1. It's a... Uh... You don't like all old popcorn? I mean, <laughs> I, could get, I could get on board with an old popcorn candle. Yeah, now, why not? If you're a venturesome sort, you know, six hours offers the opportunity to hail an Uber out of the airport and go lark around town for a couple hours and get back in time to catch your probably once again delayed flight. There you go. I would say if you were going to, if it wasn't a high traffic day, if you were there on a weekday, you could Uber out. If I wanted some nature, I'd go to Sunset Park, uh, which is right nearby, stroll, look at the birds and the water and so forth. Or if I was feeling particularly adventurous, I would actually Uber out to the area around 215 in like Durango Rainbow area. There's a ton of really good Asian food out there that's like pretty new. It's an up and coming kind of Chinatown offshoot. And I would check out some of the the food out there. Go to UNLV. It's a lovely campus. Oh, that's true. And you know what's right there, Scott, one of your favorite museums. Oh, yeah, the Barrick. Absolutely. Right. Not too far from UNLV. That's right. Can I uh, issue a complaint about Harry Reid Airport really quick? As someone yes. who travels uh, in and out of there very, very frequently, I have a TSA pre-check and that line is never open. They never let me use my TSA pre-check. I always what? have to go through the regular one. Yeah, it's always closed. <laughs> so I don't even know what the point is. In Reno, I never have to worry about that. It's always open. <laughs> huh. Well, complaint issued. Thank, Thank you. you. Speaking up for your rights, Joey. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> well, let's wrap things up with a quick fun question. Since we're at the top of January, I'm curious, what book is at the top of your 2023 reading list? Uh, I am about a third of the way through the Wind Up Bird Chronicles by Haruki Murakami currently. Ooh. It's pretty interesting. <laughs> nice. I will offer a, a reader tip. Coming out next Tuesday is a book called Extended Stay by Juan Martinez. It's a literary horror novel set in downtown Las Vegas. It has all kinds of like cool Lovecraftian sort of horror stuff happening. 
but it also has a real social conscience. Its protagonists are undocumented workers. And so it, in addition to being a horror novel, it's also it also deals with the lives of the, the people that we consider invisible and, and sort of the pernicious effects of capitalism and so on. And Juan Martinez mm. used to live here, so he knows what he's talking about when he when he writes about Las Vegas. I, I read your review of it in uh, Desert Companion, which was fantastic. I, honestly, that now I'm adding it to my list. Thanks to you, Scott. Yeah, when Juan when Juan lived here, he actually did. When I was the editor of City Life back in the day, he did this amazing four part article about walking across Las Vegas, and it was hmm. it was a terrific a terrific piece. Hmm. And what about you, Sonia? What's on your list? Well, this is a book I've been meaning to read for a while. It's been on my list since it came out uh, in the fall. It's called I Love You, But I've Chosen Darkness. It's by author Claire Vay Watkins, who grew up in the Mojave Desert and was also a fellow here at PMI. And I loved her short story collection, Battleborn, and also her uh, first novel, Gold Dame Citrus. I'm so excited to read I Love You, But I've Chosen Darkness. And I can guarantee you, you won't be uh, dissatisfied. <laughs> okay. If it's got the Scott stamp of approval, then I know it's uh, good. Claire's, Claire's a terrific and amazing writer, and that book is, it's a banger. I got to start reading more Nevada books, apparently. I'm, I'm behind the times here. Yeah, there we go. Well, we, we also like Murakami, so <laughs> great choice. Well, before we go, Joey, what's on the slate for Indie Matters, the Nevada Independent podcast coming up? Oh, man, we've got lots of fun stuff, including uh, talks about snow and the snowplow drivers up here in northern Nevada but also uh, things about the Las Vegas Food Bank and, and a lot of other really interesting stuff. So yeah, keep an ear out for that on Indie Matters, uh, the, the CityCast Las Vegas' podcast BFF. Here, here. Thank you both for this wonderful conversation. I had so much fun. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much, Sonia. That is all for today here on CityCast Las Vegas. Our lead producer is me, Sonia Cho Swanson, and our producer is Leila Muhammad. Our newsletter editor is Scott Dickensheets, and our hosts are David Figler and Vogue Robinson. Music is by OG Moose, All the Kimonos, and Epidemic Sound. We record this show on the traditional homelands of the Nuwuvi, the Southern Paiute people. If you enjoyed the show, I know you did. Go tell a friend, please. It means so much to us. Then rate the show, leave us a review, and subscribe to our brilliant morning newsletter. We'll be back Tuesday morning. That's right, Tuesday, not Monday. Monday's a holiday with more news from around the city. Take care. For Indie Matters, uh, the... the, the uh Friend, the friend, I don't know what to call it. The, I don't know what to call it, the companion podcast because that's not what it is. The, um, <laughs> no, 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 not a companion. Uh, um, yeah, oh our, my God. Our podcast BFF. Let's start over. Yeah. Yeah, our podcast BFF. Yeah. Perfect. Thank you.